All right, folks. Now we can stop hugging each other. We can turn our attention towards the Lord and the same affection we've been giving one another. Let's give to our King with everything in us. Amen. So welcome to Community Church. If you're online, welcome this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're so glad you're here today. Let's honor our King in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Listen, we, I got to share something because what's happening here is so significant. I'm watching the dancers, and you may think they're just here to, you know, to add some color and some dimension, but there is a prophetic thing going on. You know, these guys, as they're standing here, you may watch them going like this, right? You think, well, what's the point of that? They're symbolizing an exchange that's happening in the spirit. And when the, when the guys were going like this, they were representing what is actually happening in the earth when people worship. When people worship, they are releasing an actual, literal substance into the earth. We're not just singing songs. We are releasing commodities that cause the world to change. This is real. You may not see what's coming out of their faith and when they wave their arms, but something is happening. So I encourage you to join them in the release of this stuff because something is being released into the atmosphere of our city this morning that is the basis on which everything will be changed. Let's not hold back. Let's worship Him with all our hearts and let's see that sub- the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, the substance of the life of God from heaven released into the earth. We declare, we declare in the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. Come on, I want you to begin to see what the dominance of that name of Jesus is going to do to the nations. And as the light of God is being released from people of faith, there is an advancing atmosphere that subjugates everything in its path. We declare the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I know some of us in the room are afraid to say those words because we don't want to become victimized by the enemy. And we're afraid, we're afraid, we're afraid. And it's that fear that makes you captive. That, that fear makes you the enemy's bread. So begin to ask the Lord, God, give me something that begins to believe on a new level. On a new level, I have not been called You have not been called to be victims. You are called to subjugate the kingdom of darkness underneath your feet. This is your destiny. This is your calling as co-rulers, co-workers, sons and daughters. Now there's an atmosphere in the room today that is governmental. The atmosphere that's in the room today is an expression of God's intended purpose when he said, I'll build my church. And he used the word ecclesia, which is a a ruling party, a ruling governmental body of people. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's a sound of the king of the Lord when he arises to shake the, the world, when he arises to shake the darkness. There's a sound. And it's in the room today. And you have the authority as his representatives to direct that sound towards your enemies, towards that creeping darkness that is rising in the night that comes and attacks your children and threatens to destroy your family, to destroy our communities. The only force is not Ottawa. It's not the police services. It's not the fire services. It's not the Canadian military. It's the angelic armies of heaven that advance at the sound of the church that releases words of faith, decrees that says, we will not be intimidated. Do you believe this this morning? All right, let's, re- let's shift this morning with a shout. I'm going to count the three and let release the shout of victory. One, two, three. Now, the Lord is answering a question, and he's asking a question this morning of us. He's saying this, is worship and music just ritual? Is it a part of liturgy, or does it really matter? When I sent out the armies of Israel to battle their enemies, I was not sending them to conquer peoples and tribes and cities. I was sending them out to confront principalities and powers. And the battle was won when I sent worship ahead of the armies of the Lord. How long will my church not understand what it is I do and how I work? This is a spiritual battle. This warfare is against principalities and powers. And there's a sound of breakthrough in your midst. Man, there's such a release in the room. I, I was going to transition, but then I saw uh, the king of Israel with Elisha in the room, in the chambers. And, the, and the, the prophet says to him, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And you know the story. And he doesn't understand the significance of this, so he sheepishly hits the ground three times. And the prophet is angry because he said, he, the, the king never realized that there was a momentum in the spirit that he was meant to enter into, and he should have struck four or five times. So I began to think, is the capacity in the room to strike four or five times? And as soon as I thought that, you guys started to walk forward. That's a sign. That's a sign. I want to say to you right now, there are men, there are men and women and young people in the room today that are called specifically to this realm of spiritual warfare and life in the spirit. And you are one right there, mister. As you're standing there, I see the heart of God trying to pull you into a realm. 
And I, I hear him saying, until you move into the realm that you're called to live in, the enemy will continue to bite at your heels. But there's a place in me that's higher. There's a place in me under the shadow of the Almighty of God where you will find a refuge and you will be untouchable. Untouchable. And the same goes to you. The Lord is saying today, there's a place for you to ascend to. It's, it's not just a mindset. It's not an education. It's not just changing life patterns. It is many of those things. But it's ascending into a realm. Because the enemy sees a DNA that he's trying to destroy in your lives. God, you know what my heart is today? I believe there are thousands in our region of young men and women who are called to this level of warfare, but God can't bring them into the church because the church is not ready to cover them and protect them. That the warfare that they get caught up in is too much for where we are right now. So he's trying to move us as a church into a place where we can provide the covering, the canopy of his presence, so that these ones could grow and develop to their potential in spiritual safety. So God, we say, Lord, forgive us for holding back. Forgive us, God, for being sheepish embarrassed, intimidated by spiritual things. This is not how I intended this morning to go, but I'm seeing something. I'm seeing that when Moses was born, when Moses was born, the enemy saw who he was. The enemy saw the potential of his life and tried to kill him. Tried to kill him, but he was, he was saved for a time and a moment and a purpose designed by God, but barely saved by the skin of his teeth. When Jesus was sent to the earth, we know the same thing happened. And uh, he, was, he was almost killed. Herod tried to kill. He killed all the babies two years and under. Because the enemy is always watching and always looking for the precious life. He's always looking for those that are going to be born in unique seasons and times. And hear what the Lord is saying. He is saying, in the past, I have, when it suited my purposes, intervened dramatically to save unique ones. But that is not my purpose. My purpose is to raise up shelter in my people. My intention is that you would be the shelters for those unique ones that are still hidden in darkness, but which I intend to bring into my body. And I am readying a people who can be a shelter because the enemy will seek to destroy the generation of Jacob. Hear me, the enemy will try but I will have a people who understand the warfare, who understand the worship, who understand the intercession, who understand the prayer, who understand the need to contend for spiritual breakthrough. All over Canada, 
They're rising up churches who understand what it means to cultivate places of refuge, cities of refuge, where I can bring excellent ones that I will raise up to be apostles and prophets to the nations. And they will not be snuffed out. They will not be killed. They will not be caught any longer in addiction and sin. Because my people will be ready in the day of my power. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, in many ways, the Lord has already spoken this morning. And uh, there's nothing greater than getting an insight into the ways that he likes to use to, to bring the kingdom of God. And there's all kinds of information that we can enter into that's needful, that's important. But understanding his ways is, is perhaps the highest. You know, it said that Israel saw his acts, but Moses understood his ways And so, Father, we say today that we want to be a people who (laughs) understand your ways. God, so help us, Lord. Now, when I think about what what the effect is of understanding his ways, I think of moments like the king who was with the prophet, who could have utterly demolished their enemies, through subsequent victories, military victories. Now, you have to realize this. This is real world. Military victories, the difference is your friends die or don't die. The enemy flees or you flee in terror. Your lands and houses get confiscated or their houses and lands get confiscated. This is real world stuff. Where was the outcome of the battle decided? through the skill of the swordsmen, through the numbers of chariots and horses that were on the field of battle, I say no. But through the simplicity of a man obeying the commandment of the prophet to hit the ground with a bunch of arrows. You know, we say we believe this stuff, but as soon as it comes to applying it in a real-world way, we start to get uncomfortable. Because we're not sure if it really matters. You know, I remember years ago when we first started having dancers dance. And, you know, a lot of people started like, you know, why don't they just do it in the back corner? Away from the, you know, they're distracting. And flags, what's that all about? And so I remember trying to to illustrate something. I said, listen. There are, there are things that happen that are invisible to the natural eye, but they're real. And we're interacting with real things that are invisible. Do you know what that means? You've got to be willing to look like a fool. You've got to be willing to do things that you know are tangible because you know that they're tangible, but... The guy next to you might not. And so he's wondering, you know, when you're praying, why are you going like this? You know, what's with 
the people that are, you know, doing this. Like, why do we even raise our hands? Oh, that's, it's a part of our liturgy. No, it isn't. It's a real thing. When we're moving, when the dancers are moving, they're giving expression to invisible things. But it's not meant to be exclusive to them. It's, it's exclusive to everybody that believes. And so I remember using the illustration of a mime, you know. You know, we love that. Mimes, they, the ones that are really good, they make fake things look real. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> we're trying to make real things look real. We're trying to make invisible real things look real. But sometimes we're not so sure about it, so we can't enter into it because it's humiliating because we don't really believe. So that's a problem. Right? That, that is a problem because we walk by faith and not by sight. And part of the evidence that you actually believe is that you don't care if others don't see. Now, I wasn't even going to talk about this. It's just sort of a little snippet. But, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You, I, I'm not going to expect you to come up here and be like Michael or Jenna or Andrew or some of these other dancers. But hey, move your feet, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least respond to the music. Yeah. Like we are locked by unbelief into so many by so into so much restraint behavior that we never question. And so there are ways to get out of that. Do things that make you feel uncomfortable, or at least be willing to do them. I remember when I was in, uh, we were in Hong Kong, and there was uh, the gathering there, and there was 24,000 people, uh, 20,000 or so were from mainland China, mainland China, at this conference, and most of these folks had never, ever been in a meeting larger than 50, 60 people. Here they are, with 24,000 believers. They were excited. They were jubilant. They, they were glad to be there. They lined up because they, didn't, they opened the doors at a certain time. They lined up for hours before, thousands of them in this lineup. I was a part of the leadership, so I got in early and you know, got behind the curtain and all that. But I'm watching this. I thought, what amazing hunger. What a ama- They're here hours early to get the front seats. <laughs> and not only that, when the worship and the dance team stood up and whatever motion they did, 95% of that crowd did the same thing. I mean, they just, they were just so, nobody sat there, you know, I'll do it when I'm good and ready. See if you can make me. Come on, go ahead, try, move me. No, they were just, they were just so, there was no barriers between, there was none of that religious, none of that authoritarian, oh, I'm not going to be controlled, I want, I, you know, all the thoughts that keep you from even entertaining the idea of doing what you're told or what you're asked to do. Now, now, again, I'm, I'm just saying, what could the Lord release if there weren't so many invisible barriers in our minds and hearts, 
ways in which we have decided, yeah, I'm going so far and no further. One day, it's all going to be clear. And we're going to see what the Lord has prepared for us. And we're going to wish we had listened to Mark. (laughs) Glory to God. Well, listen, I want to follow up from the message I shared a little bit last week. Because there there was so many amazing parts of that that I never got to. So I'm planning on going there, but this morning, this morning I wanted, while we were in prayer, I got a prophetic word. I saw something so very clearly, and so I, I was planning to weave it into this morning's message just somewhat, but this is, this is a kind of a declaration. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out. This is a time of great advance in knowledge. Like the advent of the industrial age, a feverish pace of learning is being released as entirely new hemispheres of revelation and knowledge are coming into view. Like explorers explorers coming over a towering mountain range to suddenly discover an entire continent, an entire new plateau of land Virgin land, untouched, undiscovered, a country. But we're not talking about geography. We're talking about knowledge. And I want to say here today, because I feel the Spirit of God was trying to release something this morning. He was trying to release something that says simply this, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Can you give me a little more volume, please? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And God is going to break the pride of mankind. God is going to break the pride of the elite, the world's elite, who live in luxury and pleasure, who vaunt themselves and shake their fists against the Most High, who believe themselves to be responsible for the plateaus of knowledge, scientific discovery and understanding, engineering, uh, medical, and otherwise. They believe themselves to be responsible for these things, and they mock and jeer at the people of faith. But I say to you, the day is going to come when the nations and the world will bow and they will recognize that those that they looked at with contempt were the ones that were releasing the light of knowledge into the earth. That every transition in human history that raised man from one plateau of knowledge to another, both in the arts and science, Every bit of intellectual discovery was facilitated by a worshiping people who made a connection with light. And when the light shone in the darkness, it uncapped potential that was locked down by principalities and powers. It is my church that is responsible for the well-being of any nation that has ever had any well-being. I am 
the source of peace, says the Lord. I alone have the fabric of life in my hand. And when I breathe, when I breathe upon a continent and a city and a people, it's because the righteous in their midst worship me with all their heart and release my heavenly atmospheres into the earth. But the blind that lead the blind assume as this thing falls unto them, as the rain from heaven falls on the just and the unjust, they take credit for them. Woe to them, says the Lord, for one day it will be made clear and they will be brought down and humiliated and they will weep and lament. And I say to them now, repent elitists of the nations you who live in darkness God God we say in Canada release the bondage of darkness that causes our cities and our governments to languish in captivity God Every, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Father, 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 Father. We're here to seek your face, Lord. We're here to say, save our nation, save our city. God, we pray that in this region, heaven will touch down because the people believe, because the people are are risking being judged, being criticized because we believe it's real. Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. And I remember there was a time in my life where the division of labor was not what it is today in that I just thought I was responsible for certain things. Why? Because I felt the pressure of having to do those things. And I assumed that because I was the one that took my, my body to the prayer room by walking, that I was therefore responsible for that. And inadvertently, I took credit for doing that. I got up in the morning, I set my alarm, I went to early's morning prayer. I was the one who, who decided to forego food when the time the fasting came, and I, I did that stuff. I went to school, I was the one who went out and preached the gospel in the streets. So I thought, I thought, well, I don't know how this works. Without me, you can do nothing. I didn't understand this until I couldn't do anything. Well, how did you get there? Pride? Thinking you did it? (laughs) What God is judging in the earth is human sufficiency, pride, arrogance that takes credit for things that he daily gives us. He is our daily bread. And you may think, well, I've been able to walk my whole life, therefore it's mine. No, it isn't. Nothing you have is yours. Everything's been given. And you don't want to be the person that God uses as an example to say, hey, proof text, here you go. You don't want to be the one that suddenly loses the ability to digest your food. 
See, gratitude, acknowledgement, faith releases the provision of heaven. And when we (laughs) restrict the release of that gratitude, we restrict the release of the provision. And God is saying, man, if you only knew what what I have prepared for you. If you only understood what I could do in your individual lives, in your collective lives, in a region like this. Ah, oh, Father, I, I see this battle against this, this arrogance and this pride and this sufficiency. And it's so real. Faith. Faith is the only thing that releases heaven on earth. And what we're getting from here to there, like the end of days, the final phase of this redemption plan that God has when he covers the earth with with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He fills the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. What's happened? What is that? Suddenly, the knowledge of the Lord is available. See, every stage of revival Every season when the church catapulted forward because somebody was seeking God, it released the knowledge of the Lord. That is not only the knowledge of him, but the knowledge that he has. Oh, the knowledge that God has concerning his creation is unlocked when the people worship him. And the end of this thing is nothing will be hid in the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That the light of God will cause knowledge to be released. And still, proud men will believe themselves to have come into amazing powers of deduction that enabled them to decipher this mystery. You didn't decipher this. You didn't figure that out. It was shown to you. I, the Lord, illuminates knowledge for the minds and men to understand. I alone hold understanding in my hand. And I will give it to the humble. I will release it from the humble. And so all across the nations, we see this kaleidoscope of different levels of civilization, different levels of scientific knowledge, this inability and everybody, everybody on the natural side, well what we need is education no, what we need is faith because faith is always responsible for education we know that from history faith the releases the desire that results in all these great advances. Ah, I feel that wave of darkness that's trying to suppress this faith, this knowledge that will enable us to give a a credit to God that will unleash a new level of revelation. There's a war right now in the atmosphere around here, but the church is coming into something Come on. The church is coming into something. Revelation, breakthrough, knowledge, inside.
Now last week what I was getting at for us is this is the possibilities that are available to us if we understood what it is that holds us back. God's not holding you back. God hasn't decided that you're to be kept in slavery or captivity. At some level, we decide that. Now, we are also victims of our environment, but it's because our environment says you can't go further than this. And what we see down through human history is progression, but it always begins with somebody that believes. In in the natural and in the spirit, the capacity to believe that the five-minute mile can be broken by a runner begins with faith that translates to human optimism and ideas and potential that men then act on. But the genesis is always the same. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every, every, every. Why is this important? Because when we gather here on Sunday mornings and we say, all hail the name of Jesus, it becomes a lot more meaningful when you actually hail him. Because what's happening every time we say, oh, hail the name of Jesus, there is held in reserve in our hearts things that we feel responsible for. So there's a division of labor where you're saying, I'm responsible for these things, but God, thank you for this other little stuff. I got up this morning, but you know, you, you provided coffee to help that. You know what I mean? We assign to God the lesser the lesser of the whole. But he said, no, 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 no. I do most of this. I'm doing most of this. And that's what happened in my life when I couldn't get up to my own alarm. Day after day after day, commitments, vows that I would fast and pray, I stopped being able to do any of it. And the Lord said, see, see, I told you. And if you've ever been locked up with a depression so great that you can't even imagine facing the world, never mind even getting out from under those covers, you know what I'm talking about. And what's the message in that darkness? Without me, you can do nothing. Worship me like that is true. Worship me like everything depends on my providence, that I give you every, every new breath of air that I give you the catalytic energy to even think. But, you know, we've done these things so long, we just sort of take it for granted. No, this is me. This is what I can do. He said, no, you can't. You can't do any of that. But if you start giving me credit, truly giving me credit, you'd be amazed what I could take you into. You'll be amazed what I can bring out of the life of one singular individual fully resigned to the Lord. I mean, I've got inventions, I've got knowledge, I've got insight, and I was thinking about this the other day, because some of you might think, well, I'm not particularly smart, I don't do book learning that well. All the book learning is not my, my favorite. Uh, Solomon, <laughs> I forgot his name, Solomon was just a normal guy. 
just a normal man. The Lord gave him an option. Hey, what do you want? He says, I want wisdom. And he, have you read, I've been reading of late, the, the genius of that man. He wasn't born a genius. He didn't grow up, and it wasn't because he had the right toys to develop his intellect while he was stimulated with the colors on the wall in the nursery. That's why he's so brilliant. No, brilliance comes from above. It was a gift, and it was given to him in a second. So who is it that's locking you into a lie that says you cannot do this? You, can, you can't paint. You can't run fast. You can't think well. You can't remember well. I'm telling you that faith that worships God will allow capacity that we need, no matter what it is. And you may not need to be ultra, ultra brilliant, but you need something, right? God is looking for a people who will lock themselves in, into, into an equation with him, who really truly believe that every good gift comes from above, comes from him. The alternative is my wife, my parents, my kids, my boss, my job, my government. That See, what we do is we, we have a list of people in our lives that we blame for the conditions of our existence. We have a list of people that we fault when things don't go well. And anybody who's married know exactly where you start. Right? You start with the one that's closest to you because they buffer your life like nobody else. So they become responsible for the things that aren't going well. I want to say, here's my soft and gentle and warm loving counsel. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) If you don't know where that's from, it's from a very humorous skit. But God wants to lock you into something. And he successfully did that to me at one point regarding the larger piece of my life. You know, the ministry I was supposed to do, I was called to ministry, got out all these promises. And so I'm going out there, well, the church is not responding suitably. The church is not acknowledging me. The church is not giving me room. And I'm thinking, yeah, the church. I tell you, the number of people that are sitting in the backwaters of darkness today because the church was the culprit that they decided to sanctify as being responsible for all their losses, the church. I started to do that. It's a natural thing. Well, if only the church was different. And the Lord said, don't you dare, Mark. Don't you dare. Don't you dare do that. I'm telling you, He put the halt on me. He says, nothing is impossible to him that believes. How dare you stand there and say you're called of God and blame the church for you're not having a ministry. When I told you, if you believe, nothing's impossible to him that believes. You hypocrite, Mark. Okay. 
And it wasn't an immediate thing, but little bit by little bit, I, he showed me all the different ways. Because sometimes you're blaming other people and institutions that are way beyond your life, and, and you don't even know you're doing it. I mean, God is saying, I just need one person who really believes that I am the source of all things, and the universe of my provision will fall on them. Anybody, anybody at all, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking. The eyes of the Lord are looking for people who just will believe. And I know I've shared this before, but it bears, there's some value in it sharing again, because here's what happens when we're creating a community here. We're, theoretically, we're drawing on God, but the proof that we're not drawing on God is we're mad at people. The people you're upset about are the people that you're really drawing from. Because really you're saying, they should have done this. Well, I thought God was your source. Well, yeah. But they have the money. Oh, well, God can't make them willing then. Right? God, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. I, I don't want to I don't want to mess with your theology around political things, but what God is looking for in Canada is a people who believe God can intervene in spite of a liberal government. Now, ask me: Do I like the liberal government? No. Do I like their policies? No. Do I believe that our nation can prosper? And, and every, all the circumstances politically change? Absolutely. Should we ne'er therefore not vote? No, we should vote. We should do all the things that we can, the same way you set an alarm. But the getting up is from the Lord. <laughs> the remembering to set the alarm is from the Lord. But there's still things that you do. So God is saying, I just need a people in Canada who actually believe me. And what's going to happen is that resource of heaven that is himself will start to fill the fabric of our worship with an intensity never before seen on the earth. Revival is not, revival is not God one day deciding, oh, I'm going to throw him a bone. He does that he does that in the absence of any hope at all, just to make sure we survive. But that's not his plan. His plan is, I'm looking for a man and a woman to stand in the gap. But here's the, let's, let's go towards home base with this. Nothing's impossible to him that believes. Your faith can unlock everything that you need. And it is the absence of faith, the absence of faith in your heart that is responsible for every single disappointment of your life. Oh, that's so hard to take, eh? It's just like, man. Yeah, but you don't understand. Things beyond my power happen to me. 
okay but now we're here today and if you can't get past what happened yesterday it's because you're not making use of the provision that's available today well you don't know what happened to me I was hurt yes me too Thank God there's a balm in Gilead. Thank God that God is a healing and restoring God. Thank God that I am not left to my own devices. Thank God that I don't have to live, live in the shadow of negative experiences that cause me to dread and fear certain kinds of people because God is the God of new beginnings. And I determined that if I believe I can step into any new beginning, I don't have to fault anybody in my past, any circumstance, any situation, because the future belongs to those that believe. So let's start right now. Let's start right now. God, what provision? God, will you unlock? I'm I'm trusting you for my healing. God, I'm trusting you for wisdom. I'm trusting you that you will touch my heart bruised when I was sexually molested, when I was beaten as a child, when I was dropped on my head, when this happened and that happened, when when the authority figures were not trustworthy in my life and it set me on a position regarding the church, authority, government. God, redeem that in Jesus' name. He said, listen, I can make you a new creation. I've got power to renew, rejuvenate, recreate, reconstruct, and restore. That's who I am. You say it in your songs. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. One day we're going to stand. We're going to say it. We're going to believe it. And we will be visited by waves of untold levels of glory. Father, let's pray. Let's stand together. Father, we say no more excuses, no more blames, no more anger, no more unforgiveness. <coughs> we, <coughs> we receive today the option. Oh, God, you gave us options. We receive today the option for a new day, for a new day. And we don't require anybody else to change Our attitude will change. Our gratitude will change. And that's what makes life bearable, is that I change. He said, listen, you can be in a prison and be happy. You can be incarcerated. You can be a slave and be happy. You can be married to the worst person in the world and be happy. Because I'm the source of happiness. I'm the source of joy. Not correct circumstances, not perfect situational issues in your life. Me, I'm the source of these things. So we say, God, we are going to receive from you. And we are going to be a provision for our community. And I just see, listen, I see crystal rivers of living water coming down on people who have made God their source. And then they begin to be trickling, that water trickles out to people in and around them, to your children, to your neighbors. That's how God rejuvenates a culture, rejuvenates a city, a community. Starts with people who decide, I'm locking myself in to an eternal flow. Thank you, Lord. It's all there right in front of us. If you want to get unlocked this morning, if you want to make a statement, okay, God, I want to know what's, what's holding me back. I want to know 
who I'm assigning blame to. I want to know where I'm not taking responsibility to get provision for you, from you. If you want some of that, as we begin to worship, I want you to step forward. We're going to have people pray for you, bless you, maybe anoint you. we got some oil over here. But this is a day of breakthrough. This is a day when our lives start being totally different. As we worship, let's connect in like never before. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. We're going to leave these altars open. I feel there's still many of you in your seats that want prayer. and So we're not going to rush off up front here. We're going to stay. So I want you to make sure that if you feel that you need prayer this morning, please just make your way as the service concludes here. But why don't we all stand for a minute because I just want to pray a blessing over each one in this room. I realize we're all at different points in our journey. We all have different things going on. And I know many of us this morning, our hearts are crying out for loved ones. Our hearts are crying out for situations and circumstances. And so just join with me as I pray and just extend your faith believing that God is God and God can bring change and God delivers and God heals and God restores and God brings freedom. God does all the very things that we need right now. So the very thing that you're hoping that he will bring upon you right now, that's who he is. So I just want you to stretch your hands as an act of faith to him, saying, God, I'm doing this right now, believing that whatever that circumstance is, that you can meet it. And so by faith, I'm lifting my hands saying, God, I trust you. God, I believe in you. And so, God, right now, we just pray in the name of Jesus. You see everything going on right now in the room. There are hands lifted everywhere. You see the circumstances. You see the pain, the hurts. God, you see where people want breakthrough for their kids, for their parents, for their uncles, for their aunts, for their friends, for themselves. And, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing. We declare life. Father, we declare freedom. Father, we declare right now that you would move in whatever situations you need to touch. We declare by faith it will be done in Jesus' name. It will be done in Jesus' name. Can we say amen to that? So I pray the blessing of God on you as you leave in Jesus' name. Goodbye to everybody online.